folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. I'm Chaneo Bumaker. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and we welcome in from his beautiful front porch on a gorgeous morning, Dave Campbell of the Associated Press. Uh, Dave, just looking at you makes me feel better about the world, uh, especially after a long night last night, but we won't get into that. Uh, How are you? Yeah, I'm I'm doing well. It's nice to be back. I kind of believe there, especially when you live in Minnesota, there's no problem that can't be solved by fresh air. So <laughs> here I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, and it adds to the ambiance of a Mike Zimmer Zoom call, which we just jumped off. So um, we didn't learn a whole lot from this one, but I want to talk about Zimmer and the first time that he built a team and whether, A, we think it'll be a second time that he gets to build a team and, B, what worked the first time around, what they can take away, what they can repeat, what they can't repeat. So let me get your opinion on the Vikings not doing anything at the trade deadline. I think that even though it is more circumstantial than anything else, I think if someone came in with a second-round pick for Anthony Harris, they most certainly would have done it, um, but the prices were not very high, and so you could kind of understand around the entire league that nothing was happening. But I also think at the same time that it is a sign that they believe that they can go forward here and have success through the rest of the season and be at least at the end of the day, a respectable football team, unlike what they were after the Atlanta Falcons loss. So give me your take on what it means for Mike Zimmer and even Rick Spielman to that extent that they kept everything here. Yeah. It does. I, I agree with the point you just brought up. It does show on some level that the season is still salvageable. I mean, that extra playoff spot is huge, right? And and now we've heard that if there's if they have to deal with any uh, league wide COVID cancellations, that there's a 16 team tournament on the table. So there'd be a, an additional spot potentially. And 
the next thing, when when you look at the schedule, uh, all of a sudden, I mean, there's a lot of really winnable games, even despite their, you know, mess of injuries and inexperience at cornerback. They're done with the Packers. They're done with Seattle, like as far as their schedule goes. So it, it really is not silly to say that they're they're like, quote, in contention. I didn't I didn't expect anything to happen really at the trade deadline. More not specific to the Vikings, just just how this work, works in the league. You know, you, there are legitimately good players out there, you know, who could help get contending teams over the hump at certain positions. But every team, and, and justifiably so, but they're just so obsessed with draft pick currency and what the what the analytics basically tell you about shelf life of players um, and investing accordingly under your salary cap that, you know, you know, people just don't trade high picks for, for, you know, um, mid-career expensive players, especially in a year when there's so much uncertainty about what the next cap's going to look. So, you know, on some level to me, it actually is kind of irritating. Like, like these are like legitimately good players that get so devalued by just the, the numbers, like the, the way it's similar to baseball, how, you know, analytics end up trumping like, uh, the human element so much. I mean, if I were building a team and you just take a couple of Vikings examples, you, you heard Harrison Smith and, and Adam Thielen tossed out as potential, like if they were going to really tear it down, they, they'd even look to move on from those guys. But like, why? You know, I, I don't think any of us would see any reason why those particular guys could continue to be very productive players for, you know, three more seasons. And things can change so quickly in the league that, you know, even if this season were to be lost and next season was still rebuilding, like you can get back pretty quick in, in the NFL. That's another reason why it's just, you know, the teardown thing is it's not like baseball and people who follow sports, like tend to, I think, carry over our views on how one particular sport works and apply them to the, the sport we're looking at currently. And like baseball trade deadline hype and, you know, rental players, we just sort of assume that that kind of stuff's in play, like like just in mainstream conversation in football, but it really isn't. You know, like teams just don't want to, whether whether that's right or not, teams don't even want to give up a, you know, a mid-round pick for, you know, a solid starting caliber player. Which I think is a mistake in a lot of cases by contending teams um, because there was a stud- there was a study done not that long ago about the age of teams that win the Super Bowl. And a lot of times the Super Bowl teams have a bunch of veterans. And this is why usually you love to have the quarterback on the rookie contract because you can fill in all these spots with veteran players and you can pay those veteran players to be good. And as we've seen this year, there's a lot of value in just knowing where you're supposed to run <laughs> or knowing right. what the uh, leverage is as a cornerback or like simple technique things that veterans know and uh, guys on rookie contracts don't always know. I also think that there's huge value and and this would be maybe the case if you were talking about trading Harrison Smith or or Adam Thielen is the Vikings went into this year with a lot of star players, but they didn't go in with across the board good players. And I, I think what we end up seeing is, I mean, star players, of course, especially on offense, your quarterback, your wide receivers, those are going to be huge difference makers to whether you win or not. Um, 
New England all of a sudden not good without Tom Brady, a shocker, right? But uh, at the same time, at many spots, it's how many good guys do you have? And we see this on defense. Harrison Smith and Eric Hendricks are playing all-pro level football, and it doesn't make a difference because you see the corners not knowing where they're supposed to go. So I think that maybe the argument um, for moving on for players like that would be you need so many bodies more than you need stars. And that's why I want to go back to 2014 because Mike Zimmer has made this same comparison where he said he got here to Minnesota and looked at the roster and watched through the tape of the guys that he had and said, we've only got like three starters here that that are any good. And he he likes to talk about that because I think he's proud of that defense even being respectable um, as opposed to this year's, which was not. But do you do you have a sense for how if there's a comparison there? Because I'm not sure that there is. I mean, maybe on the defensive side, but they had guys that they had just drafted really high, like Xavier Rhodes and like Harrison Smith, who were on their rookie contracts and they were young players kind of coming up, but they had had a couple years under their belt for Zimmer to inherit. They knew what they were doing. And even guys like Everson was young and he, um, I think they signed him to another contract, but he was the same sort of thing, like established or starting to establish himself as an NFL player. So I'm not sure that there is a difference, but what do you remember about kind of the feeling of the second half of that season where they, actually started to kind of gel together and play better, which I think is what a lot of us are now projecting for this team. I really don't even think, I don't remember that the 2014 defense feeling like a problem ever, unlike this season when you've already seen, you know, several games where it was a major vulnerability. I think there is similar reasons to see much better performance uh, in the second half of this season, really. And like I alluded to earlier with the schedule, like, their first seven games, they have two Aaron Rodgers and one Russell Wilson. So, you know, the back nine is not going to compare to that. It won't, it won't even come close uh, as far as the opposing quarterbacks they, that they'll face. Uh, you could even throw in a Matt Ryan in that first seven. You're, you're right. I, I think he I, – I do remember the um, sort of the, the narrative in 2014 that you're alluding to. And, and I mean, certainly he um, – I think Zimmer really proved his – reputation as a defensive strategist and, and developer with the way that defense got so good so quickly. But they inherited – he inherited, I think, um, a lot more talent immediately in 2014 than he took into this 2020 season. Um, you know, just like you said, with the recent high draft picks, he's, he's starting off with Anthony Barr, Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes, um, which is already, I think – better you know it's more of a that's that's a that's a higher group of talent than Jeff Gladney Cameron Dantzler DJ Wanham right I mean it's it's just uh can't really so much even compare that but you're right too about you need you need enough good players to fill out those spots and that's a good point about having you know a collection of stars is is not going to be enough and I think that's I think that's why that, that sort of points to how well the 2017 um, team worked and how, why they were so good. It, they had some of these same stars that are still playing now, but they they also they didn't have very many positions at all that were you consider a weakness. It, you know, you think about Hajarius Wright or even uh, Linval at that point maybe wasn't a star, but but you know Trey Waynes is a, a good example of that. Uh, he was never a problem. 
he probably wasn't worth them signing to a second contract. It was just a it was just a a sturdier team, more well-rounded team. I want to remind you to go to sodastick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. For all of you hunters out there, Sodastick has some very cool hunting gear available that you need to check out, including their Mick Golden Light hunting club hats that our pal Jeremiah Searles has been wearing lately on his excursions. All their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. We're going to also hook you up with free shipping on your next order. Use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That is SOTASTIC, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. And I think that they can fall into a bit of a trap here. And part of it will be the trap that they've set for themselves with the salary cap. Because yep. with Kirk Cousins' contract, and if they're keeping Anthony Barr, they're keeping Adam Thielen, um, I even think there's a reasonable possibility they work a new deal with Riley Reef because of the way that he's played this year. That If they continue to kind of do the same things that they've done, and, and there are some guys that they just have to pay, like Brian O'Neill, you, you can't just let yeah. a really good tackle go, um, but you paid Dalvin Cook as well. And when you pay every that means that you've got to have a bunch of guys at every other position on rookie contracts. The problem with that is most of your draft capital has been in the seventh round the, the last few years, the, the fifth, sixth, seventh, and those guys just don't hit very often. In 2015, we saw a few of those guys hit, but in general, they don't. And so the guys that you're talking about, and this is where it's funny because someone the other day, and I don't even remember how it came up on Twitter, um, was talking about how Trey Waynes is kind of a bust for the Vikings. And my thing is, not really, because he became a solid starter for several years for you. We set the expectation for guys who are drafted as like, oh, you better become a superstar. But we don't even know if Jeff Gladney becomes a dude who can play in the National Football League. I mean, there are a lot of guys who get drafted in the late first, and we're seeing this from Mike Hughes, that just – aren't that great. I mean, the, the, the true yeah. superstar franchise changing talent is usually in the top five. So what you're looking for is can you draft guys who can fill out the roster? And if you miss on those, and I think that this is going to be their mistake as opposed to before, as opposed to before, I think they had a lot of guys who, like you said, were just solid. And your Captain Munderlands, your Jarius Wright, I'm glad you mentioned him. Um, I think we all had an appreciation for what he could do in certain situations um, that you could rely on him. I, I think that they're sort of going down the same path. And they and they made the same mistake with someone like Yannick Ngakwe, thinking, oh, one star will change everything. And that's just not the case. Like, you could sign somebody who was off the street for $2 million who would give you remotely similar play, and you wouldn't have to give a second-round pick and $13 million to him and bail halfway in because you kind of realize where you're at with the guy. Um, I, I think that that's just sort of the nature of the league is is stars are great, but they don't necessarily necessarily mean that that that's going to get you where you want to go and this is why when I look forward I think what we're going to hear Dave this is me looking into the future here uh I think what we're going to hear when they finish seven and nine is guys (laughs) next year next year guys next year see all these young players but DJ Wanham is not Daniil Hunter and 
Jeff right. Gladney is probably not as good as Trey Waynes. If if he works out, he's as good as Trey Waynes at, at this point to me. Uh, he's definitely not going to be Xavier Rhodes. At least at this moment, I can't see it. I don't think he's got the even the physical ability to be an elite shutdown corner even for a time like Xavier Rhodes was. And so I I think that they've they've sort of painted themselves into a corner with the salary cap and with all the people that they've paid, it's going to be really, really difficult. And I think that next year we're still going to be having the same conversation, even if some guys do improve. I, I'm not saying Gladney's a bust, um, just that the ceiling is probably not Xavier Rhodes. And th- these other draft picks that you, you take, you take 15 guys, but you don't know who's going to work out. And that's why they used to be able to go out and get someone like Terrence Newman or Captain Munderland to fill spots. And I still think looking forward, that's going to be really, really difficult to do. And I also think that a 2015 type of draft is a once every two decade type of thing that you can't count on. So I, I guess I have trouble looking at this team and saying that what they're going to tell us is necessarily true unless they have other moves that they're deciding to make. I agree with all of that. I think that even sort of supports our earlier point about why contending teams wouldn't be more willing to, to trade, you know, mid like second, third, fourth round type picks for, uh, key players to get them over the top because what what the success rate is 50-50 at best uh, and 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 even a, a success story in a second or third round player is still has a ceiling you know of um, you know Trey Wayne's type ceilings like let's say we're not typically not typically going to find six time all pros in in those rounds um, you can but it's it, that's an even more of a stretch so. I think you're right. Um, they, well, they've, they've definitely painted themselves into that salary cap corner. And you know what? I, I would say no one should feel any regret in that organization for doing that. Like, they, look how close they got. They, they, it was worth a shot, right? I mean, if Atlanta completes that pass against Philadelphia, then the NFC Championship game is in 2017 is at U.S. Bank Stadium, and they very well go to the Super Bowl. So it was worth a shot. I mean, they're obviously paying the price now for – doing all those second contracts with their homegrown players and, and trying to squeeze everybody in to keep Zimmer's defense as, as talented as possible. I think I think you're definitely going to be looking at a heavy dead money situation for 2021 that they're just going to have to deal with, right? Like, even if – like, take an Anthony Barr situation as a, as a pretty good example. You know, even though it would be a whole lot of dead money to just move on from him, the savings that they could get under the cap – versus keeping him, you know, might actually be worth it because they, they're going to need that to, to shore up some other holes. And obviously, um, you know, if they wanted to replace him with Derek Wilson, that'll, that'll require another contract too, but still be cheaper than Barr. So I think you're right. Um, there's, with the exception of Justin Jefferson, there's not an offense. Uh, there, defensively, there's just not enough players that you see, like, much higher ceilings that they can reach. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe let's – of these set was seven guys, seven rookies played on defense on Sunday. Well, let's say even – maybe even one or two of them maybe exceed this, the ceiling that we see, in it, and that, that would help them out a lot. But that still means you've got a, a whole lot more work to do to rebuild that defense and such a limited cap space to do it in. Right, and circling back um, just to to the point about Anthony Barr, I mean, he's kind of 
Like it's more about post 2017 and how they reacted and how they handled it than it is pre 2017. Cause I look at that as the line you draw right down the middle of the Zimmer era where you say in 2017, they had built up that team pretty well. I mean, the only thing that you might regret in terms of asset management was the trade for Sam Bradford and not that, not that I, I I would justify that trade at the time because you had a very, very good team and he was under contract for two years. You didn't know what the deal was with Teddy. You needed a quarterback and you weren't going to play Sean Hill for 16 games. Like He would have survived maybe three, I think, uh, before they would have had to pull the plug on that. Um much respect to Sean Hill, though. Uh, so, but, you know, that, okay, so asset management, that would be one you'd regret. And when you look back, it's sort of the domino effect of things like that, though. And there will be maybe some of uh, Yannick Ngakwe even. is like when you trade for a big shiny object and you lose a first-round pick, it's not just like, oh, well, you got a good player back, but you also got an expensive player back. And there's this constant thing of this math problem you have to do, and that's why it is different from uh, what you're talking about with Major League Baseball when we get to the trade deadline is every team is trying to juggle this how much do we invest in these positions in these star players versus how many spots we really need to be filled by guys who just we need to get lucky on and have work out um, and and first round picks and that's where when you have guys who are first round picks like Mike Hughes or like the one that you sent to Philadelphia not work out you might not feel it at the time but later on it's like when you get in a minor car accident you're like oh I'm fine and then the next day you wake up and you go oh feeling that neck Uh, that's kind of how it is but it's a couple of years later for a lot of these things so um If they wanted to change their fate, because here's what I think their fate is for 2021. I think it's they go into the offseason. They make some of these moves. They cut Kyle Rudolph. I don't think they cut Anthony Barr. Maybe they try to convert salary bonus to cap or whatever they do to lower the cap hits because um, Rob Brzezinski can just sort of wave his fingers and then all of a sudden there's different cap space. But um, I, I don't see it being vastly, vastly different than this. Um, I think that they're going to have ups and downs the same way that they will now. And the only way to change their fate in terms of long-term is to draft a quarterback in the first round. And of course, uh, maybe you've seen on Twitter, I've been uh, getting into the scouting early, uh, much earlier than I usually would uh, in terms of the draft. But what is your feeling on that? Because I I think it played a really big role in how they built the first team around to even have Teddy for two years. And then Bradford, I remember him having a decent sized cap hit, but I don't think it was monstrous. And most of their stars were on their rookie contracts that were coming up like Xavier Rhodes, like. Uh, you know, Anthony Barr, they hadn't signed them to those mega deals yet at the time. But I think that um, even if you're listening and you're a huge Kirk Cousins fan, you have his jersey and you think he's great and it's not his fault, um, you can make a case for that. But the smartest way, I think, is to have the, the quarterback on the rookie contract because then you can bring in the Captain Mother Munderlands and Terrence Newmans and Linval Josephs and those other players to fill out your roster around that guy. That's a great point. That first round quarterback, that high, you know, high first round, something could happen. The surest or, or um, you know, I guess highest potential way to take a, a bigger step in the long term. I, I 100% agree. And that's going to be, it's going to make this draft, well, even the rest of the season fascinating um, to see where they end up. There's just so many bad teams. I, 
I don't. I think. I don't think they're going to land in a draft slot that's going to give them a chance at one of those three three quarterbacks that are widely seen as as you know the three. And and let's also remember this: like based on NFL history, probably two of the three will work out. Right? One one will guarantee to be a bust, and that that's actually you know. If two out of three hit, that's actually pretty good. I mean, I think quarterbacks are, are coming into the league better and better. But as as uh, intrigued and fascinated as I am by Trey Lance, like they're not even playing this season. He's 20 years old. So for the team that assumedly he assume he declares, and for the team in 2021 who picks him, well, you really have to be patient, and you really better hope that you've got some good quarterback developers in your uh, on your coaching staff and and some good support staff around him. Um, I will say it is about time that you started to pay attention to the quarterback position. I really feel like it's been a missed opportunity for you content wise. <laughs> it's, it's never, it's never too late to catch up to that. I, uh, I had another point. Oh yeah. The, the quarterbacks and the rookie contracts. So in 2011, the last, when the last CBA was enacted that drastically changed the rookie pay scale. Since then, the only quarterbacks to go to a Super Bowl not on their rookie contracts are named Brady, Manning, and uh, Matt Ryan. I'm pretty sure. Like, that's, that's amazing. That's 20, 20 Super Bowl quarterbacks in that new era of salary, the new salary cap reality. And the only exceptions are Brady, Manning, and Matt Ryan, who was the MVP that year. I guess you could count Nick Foles, but he's, you know, that on his rookie contract and right. Foles was just a journeyman. So that doesn't really break, you know, that's not an exception to that rule. So there you go, right? I mean, I think I, I would be willing to bet that Patrick Mahomes is the next guy to join that club to go do a Super Bowl with an insane, um, you know, amount of salary cap space being taken up. But I, I don't know what other quarterbacks out there, maybe, maybe Aaron Rodgers could do it. Um, but it's not many. Even though sports took a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that means hiring is more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gets you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire and with 73 percent of online job seekers visiting indeed each month indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need just like they have for over three million businesses right now indeed is offering our listeners a free 75 dollar credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast Try Indeed with $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action with Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championships, and futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. 
don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Right. Rodgers has been close, and Drew Brees has been close, and they've been competitive, and they've been good. Um, And so you can do it if you have that level, and I don't think that the Vikings have that level. Even the current version of Aaron Rodgers, which is not as great as, say, 2011 Aaron Rodgers, he still is, to me, in a different air of someone that can elevate the entire team around him. And uh, I guess what I keep coming back to is – if they go seven and nine, like you said, I mean, you're probably drafting a corner. You're drafting a defensive tackle. You're drafting, I mean, uh, even a potentially a guard or a tackle or something, you know, one of these other positions, which is good, and that's going to help you. But it doesn't really answer the long term of here is the formula that you need um, in order to, to do it. And I'm not sure that Cousins is quite at the level of someone who can have everything falling apart around him and still be able to succeed. Now, that is where I want to finish on, on this question, Dave, which is just what does that mean for Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer long term? Because you know, I guess there have been a, a couple of times, and this is where it's unique for me, where we go down to New Orleans and people are having the conversation about, you know, will they get rid of Mike Zimmer after this? Will they trade him to Dallas? Um, and then, you know, this year, uh, when I do radio interviews or whatever, the host is asking me, is Zimmer on the hot seat up there in Minnesota where it's cold, huh? You know, and it's like, well, I have no idea. I really don't because uh, I thought man, if they lost by 40 to the Packers, would that be it or would that not be it? I, I really I really don't know, Dave. Yeah, same, right? I mean, everyone can pretend to know, but, I mean, it really it boils down to, to two people, Ziggy Wilf and Mark Wilf, really. Um, and they, they, you know, they're pretty, uh, they keep a, a pretty tight circle. I, I thought the hot seat stuff is so interesting. Even Aaron Rodgers picked up on that this past week. He, he said, uh, I think, you know, in, in his midweek, uh, press conference, he, he talked about seeing Zimmer on the hot seat and thinking that's crazy because he has such a, a respect for him and his defenses. And then I saw post game, he, he, he was, in sort of breaking down the loss, he's, he's basically saying how it was unacceptable to lose to a team that had, you know, coaching questions. Like, you know, no, no matter where this thing is going for the Zimmer-Spielman era um, in the future, that, there was, I, w- I would say with confidence, there was no chance of something happening during the season. In a pandemic season, they, having just committed three, three years to, to both those guys, what in the world would be the point of making an in-season change when – Especially when you're, um, you know, your your heir apparent, I guess, or or your most obvious replacement would be Gary Kubiak, who's, you know, he's he's not your up, he's not going to be a head coach again. He's said that pretty consistently. So it's not like you'd be getting a, an early look at a at Kevin Stefanski because he's gone, right? Or, you know, um, there's just not that there wouldn't be that incentive to uh, to make some kind of in season change. I, yeah, I I think. Um, Honestly, I think, you know, we talk about how there's so intertwined with the quarterback um, in any regime in the, in the league, but I think it, I think it boils down to, to these young defensive players. Uh, a lot of, a lot of it, I think, um, let, let's, if, if the, the last tap of the season, uh, apologize for the airplane noise. <laughs> I was going to say, people are going to be like, a, wait, is that over me or is that on the podcast? You do a Richfield, South Minneapolis podcast. That's sort of the, 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 um, price you pay but uh 
I, I think, you know, if there are some signs that, and I, I don't know how closely like the Wilfs would, would look at this type of thing, like more X's and O's stuff. Uh, but if there are signs that Gladney and Dantzler and, you know, Wanham and uh, Hughes and Holden Hill, or whatever, are actually playing better. There is an actual ascension and, and they're showing like this, you know, they had to take a step back this year, but there there's reason to believe that they're headed back toward building a, another credible defense. Well, I think that would certainly maybe help their fate to just stay cool off the seat a little bit. Yeah. No matter what happens this year, though, almost definitely be in some kind of prove it uh, mode, you know, heading, heading into 2021. And, you know, we always tie them together, but given their ages, given how consistently ownership has synced up their contracts, um, I think it does seem to be a package deal at this point, right? Like you're not going to just, you, if you were decided to move on from the head coach, well, why would you keep the general manager <clears throat> to third you know, head coaching choice? Um, and even the other way, like if you're, if you're only, you know, disappointed in the general manager and wanted to make a change there, um, you're going to, you're going to keep a 60, you know, four year old head coach. I mean, you know, I I don't know. I just don't see it. I'm enjoying the play. You don't have to mute it. Uh, people love to hear the plays. Anywhere you're in Twin Cities, this is what we said you were outside. We we uh, there was full disclosure about that. Um, so <laughs> Delta five eight six probably headed to uh, somewhere west. You know what? Denver. That couple of weeks there, where there were no flights, really was kind of the creepiest thing since I've moved to Minnesota, just in, in Richfield, because the, the planes are flying over so often. And then when there wasn't any, it was like, is the earth yes. ending? And the answer was kind of yes. But anyway, um, <laughs> right. I, one last fun question for you. You and I got to run to uh, player availabilities here in a second. Um, so I tweeted yesterday uh, something about Jake Reed, and I called him the most underrated Viking. I saw that. And uh, I got – Zero pushback from Twitter. Every person. How about this? America was brought together by the idea that Jake Reed is the most underrated Viking. Do you agree, or is there a more underrated Viking? And I don't mean by Vikings fans or journalists. Like, we know everyone. We remember Terrell Sinkfield's story, okay? So, like, it's hard for us to underrate or overrate anybody. But just on a national level, Jake Reed, for several years, especially with Warren Moon, was an elite receiver. I was looking up his numbers. He had 1,300 yards, averaging 18 yards a catch in 19-freaking-96. And the guy was dominant. And then, you know, of course, he becomes part of three deep and doesn't get quite the catches, but still the efficiency, if you threw it, Jake Reed, you were very successful. Is there anyone more underrated, like in terms of just remembering great players from this franchise than Jake Reed? I love this question. Uh, and I was, as a, I was a huge Jake Reed fan, you know, for me, to, I, I, my, my knowledge of the team really only goes back to the Jerry Burns era. I, I can't, I couldn't possibly, I'm, let, let's just both agree that there's probably five players in, on Bud Grant's teams who, who could win, but sure. we'll, we'll just, yeah, say, you know, from 1986 on, um, I mean, off the top of my head, I can't say you're wrong. I don't, I, it's hard. It's so hard to deal in absolutes. Like he's number one, he's the most, um, but 
if you said if you got no if you got no pushback, maybe it was a maybe it was the kind of day on Twitter where there was distractions from other things. Mm, yeah, that's a good. Didn't point. have time to to formulate their analysis because they were thinking about a, a bigger picture. But um, I I like that nomination. I really do. I think he was. I I was a huge fan of him. I remember some games early in the Denny era, uh, before Moss. They they were a, a pretty, I would say, a chronically underachieving team. There was a lot of talent there, um, more on offense, but they had a lot of defensive stars too. Um, and I and I remember when they got Moon just in '94, the offense. Well, did have a, you sort of expected it just to be awesome, but there was a lot of games where they didn't produce much. Um, I think Chris Carter was getting a lot of attention, even though he had over 100 catches um, that year. But I, I remember several games where like they wouldn't have won if Jake Reed hadn't like stepped up with a whole bunch of huge third down catches and um, that kind of thing. I think I think he's a great example. And even you know they, the you look at the numbers and. And that's also from an era when, you know, wasn't quite as tilted so pro passer, you know, based on rules and, and just based on the the overall quality of quarterback play. And obviously Warren Moon is a Hall of Famer, but he was also late stage career and um you know, he, he was he didn't immediately like thrive when he came that season. So in ninety four I'm thinking. Um so yeah, Reed I, I that's a great it's a great nomination. Um, why not? Let's go with it. I love the '90s Vikings. I think they're great. Yes. Like it just, you know, the, there's so many great players, and the quarterback is just a merry-go-round. So, you know, sometimes it's Sean Salisbury, and sometimes oh, it's man. Rich Gannon, and sometimes it's Warren Moon, and sometimes it's Brad Johnson, and sometimes it's Randall Cunningham, and it's just, it's like a great. That, don't forget Jeff George. To finish Je- it out. Yes. Yes, the only time in his whole life Jeff George is good is right there, except for maybe just a blip on the radar in Atlanta. And my those are my favorite highlights to watch, too, is Jeff George to Randy Moss. Like, it's not a, a combo that lasted very long in the NFL, but it's the best highlights because, uh, you know, they would say, like, you can't overthrow Randy Moss. Like, I think Jeff George actually could. Um, yeah, he had an arm. It it looks it looks silly. It looks like a cartoon gag when he throws it fifty, sixty yards in the air and it doesn't even have to go high. <laughs> it's just it's it's super fun to to look back at those and watch like Warren Moon. Remember when Warren Moon would drop back when his shoulders would be faced like the wrong direction? I've never seen a quarterback yeah. do it since. They used to do it, but like his shoulders would be faced to his left as he was dropping back and then he would spin around and almost use it as like a slingshot kind of thing. It was it's really fun to watch. So anyway, uh, the nineties is a great decade on so many levels. Well, of course. I mean, this is, this is us being like, Oh, we're back in our day. Like our parents with the sixties and seventies. But I, yeah. I think specifically with those teams, they were, they were a lot of fun and they were good, but they were never quite like championship good. And there were always people ahead of them, but, um, fun, fun teams. Well, well 90, the 98 Vikings were championship good. Right. Yes. But of course. you're right. Other, otherwise, Let's just well, one quick before we go. Ninety nine. Think about think about how crazy this is. They start two and four, and they bench Randall Cunningham for Jeff George. <laughs> like what other team in the NFL these days would ever have two quarterbacks, like two super old but pretty accomplished, you know, quarterbacks on your roster, and it would make that switch. Like you would almost always have a developmental guy to go to. 
and and granted, they did have Culpepper. They drafted Culpepper um, that year, and he was he was the third string guy in in waiting. But uh, they did that all the time in the nineties. That's like one of my favorite parts. Is like the late eighties yeah. and nineties. It's like benching Tommy Kramer for Wade Wilson. Wade Wilson yeah. bench for Tommy Kramer. Right. Then there's Gannon is benched for Wade Wilson, and then he's benched for Sean Salisbury. And yeah. that's just it's tremendous. I love it. You're so, right. They almost wow. never had a young quarterback. No, for, for about two. Days. Dave Campbell, Associated Press. Uh, well, we got to run, and uh, I really appreciate your time. This was a lot of fun, and I am excited to get together again soon, man. Let's do it again. Enjoy your nice morning. Will do. See you on the other Zoom.